morning. As, as we continue the, the series on the Bible for Life, I have the privilege today of tackling Romans 10 uh, and how our faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. As you can see today, I am in Phil's special recording place, which means I'm just soaking up the anointing as I speak this morning, so hopefully it'll be a good one. Uh, but before I start reading our passage today, let me give us some context from the chapter. Paul is writing here to the church in Rome and, and his heart is broken for his people, Israel, the Jews. He prays that they'll be saved through faith in Christ, that their enthusiasm for, for God is, is made useless by their attempt to be made righteous by their own law keeping, by their own works, by their own goodness instead of faith in Christ and Christ alone. And in Romans 10, the, the verses 5 to 13, which precede the bit we're about to talk about, he explores how Israel's people have, for the most part, rejected God by refusing to trust in Christ. Instead, they're waiting for some new truth to fall from heaven or, or to float up from the abyss. They fail to recognise that truth has already been given to them, and it's right in front of them, and it was right in front of them throughout the Old Testament. All who confess Christ as Lord and believe in his resurrection will be saved. This is true for both the Jews and the Gentiles. So this brings me to our verses for today. So it's Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through to 21. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is bold to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held up my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. So Romans 10, verse 14 to 21, it explains that despite hearing the gospel and understanding it, Israel continues to disobey. And Paul works through a series of questions showing where and how Israel has failed to accept the truth given to them by God. And his point is clear. The people of Israel have been given more than enough knowledge and so they ought to recognise their Messiah. But despite all the knowledge and tradition they possess, they do not have ears to hear the word of Christ. And that's where I really want to focus on today. Paul's words. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I want you to help me this morning. I want you to grab your, your ears with your fingers. Just grab a hold of them and say, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Amazing. Hopefully you won't forget that now. So I want to share how today how people can come to faith, what we as Christians can do to help them, and finally where this passage should be shaping the faith of every Christian every single day. In this passage, Paul starts it by kind of setting himself up for a home run. He basically asks himself the questions he's about to answer, which is smart. 
And in doing this, he describes the journey of faith, faith each one of us must go on in order to be saved. Verse 14, it says, how then will they call on him, you know, call on him and be saved, in whom they've not believed? And if they're going to believe in him, they've got to hear him. And if they're going to hear him, someone's got to preach. And if someone's going to preach, someone's got to be sent to preach. Paul describes five steps on the journey of faith. Being sent, uh, preaching, hearing, believing and calling on Christ. Being sent, preaching, hearing, believing and calling on Christ. So he asks this first question, how are they to preach unless they are sent? And Paul gives Isaiah as an example of God sending people to share God's word with the Jews. And this word sent is, is a derivative of, of the word apostello, which is where we are, get our word apostle from. It means to be sent and commissioned for a purpose. And in this case, to, to preach, to proclaim God's good news. And we see this in Matthew 28, where the apostles, the apostles are first commissioned. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You see, this command and this commission is perpetuated as one disciple teaches another disciple to observe all that I have commanded you, i.e. now you go and make more disciples. And I do believe there's, there's a real call and a place for the church to commission certain people with, with gifting to do this on a vocational level, you know, to send out missionaries, to send out evangelists, to preach the gospel. But at its base level, the Great Commission is for every single believer. Just as the Apostle commissioned, we are commissioned through them, through the continuation of their work that Christ commissioned them for. We are all commissioned. We are all sent with the work of sharing Christ. So they are sent. But Paul says, how are they to hear unless someone preaches? And this word preaching doesn't mean a big speech on a Sunday morning. It just means to proclaim something publicly with conviction. Just like if I stood on the street and said, I love Arsenal, football club, it's the best. With conviction. I probably wouldn't be able to say it's the best with conviction, but the rest of it I could. But it's, that's what it is. It's, it's that simple. It's to proclaim something with conviction. And in this sense, what we're talking about are the words of Christ. There's this phrase, um, that's falsely attributed to Francis of Assisi, so I'm going to make sure I put that a bit clearly. But this, this, the phrase says, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And whilst the merit of walking the walk and not just talking the talk, you know, whilst the merit of that should never be underestimated, you know, I, our witness must include words. Imagine with me a hypothetical situation here. I'm not saying at all this is how it works, but I just want you to come with me on this. Imagine you have died and you're approaching the pearly gates. And as you approach, you see someone you knew from your life, who, who you talked to, you knew, but, but you never uh, talked to them about God. And they never responded to Christ. Like they, they never called upon Christ. They never believed and they were never saved. Can you imagine the look on their face when they ask you, why did you never tell me about Jesus? What possible answer could we give to justify our silence? Well, I was, I was really kind to you and I forgave you those times when you annoyed me. I didn't tell you, I just forgave you and, and I prayed for you. 
But, but why didn't you tell me? This, it, this isn't a guilt trip, it, but it's a wake-up call. Faith comes by hearing the words of Christ. And over and above any awkwardness and embarrassment it may cause, your family needs to hear about Jesus. It's it, kind of your, your neighbour needs to hear about Jesus. Your co-workers need to hear about Jesus. Your friends, they need to hear about Jesus. And from that point, is their choice what they do with that? But they can only have faith if they have a chance to hear. And you have been sent to those people for this time. And if you're nervous about the idea of of sharing your faith, of of preaching, just proclaiming it with conviction, of of proclaiming your your love for Christ, your thankfulness that he saved you, if you're nervous about that, then I can understand it. Because I think all of us are. I know I am too. So if you're nervous, we can pray together. And if you want help, then we can help. You know, why not take them to an Alpha course Don't just tell them to go one, but say, hey, I want to take you. Will you come with me and take them one? We are all called and sent and commissioned to preach. And this is where we as Christians set out our stall and and we entrust the rest to God. All we can do is, is give people the good news and it's up to them kind of what they do from that point. We can still pray for them. This says the next bit is, and how are they to believe in whom of in him of whom they have not heard? Paul quotes Isaiah 53 here. He says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Isaiah saying, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us, from him, from what God has spoken through him? On the on the very rare occasion, I'm sometimes accused by my wife of hearing but not listening. And this is usually after dinner when there's washing up to be done and I'm watching The Office. Uh, apparently there's no cure, and so pray for her. But in this case, our prayer needs to be one for a spiritual healing. Throughout scripture, the phrase is repeated, he who has ears, let him hear. And despite Simon Peter's best efforts in Gethsemane, we all have ears. And as such, this invitation to hear is not a physical, cognitive understanding, but a spiritual opening and awakening in order to hear God's word and respond. Why don't we pray this together today? I want you to take a minute. With me now, I want you to think of someone you've been sharing your faith with, you've been sharing your life with, that you've been walking the walk with, and you've been talking the talk with. And we are going to pray together that their ears will be open to hear the word of God. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being called and sent by you to preach your good news. God, we recognise our own nervousness in that. But Lord, we pray today for the people we have shared with that you would open their ears to hear your good news. We come against anything of this world that would just look to distract them and drown out your voice. And God, we ask ears would be opened in the name of Jesus, God. You would do a supernatural miracle, a spiritual miracle in opening people's ears to hear your voice, to hear your word and respond to you, Jesus. God, I ask that you would give us boldness even as we see people and we share your goodness with them. 
boldness to pray for them, for their ears to be opened, to hear the word of Christ, to know the voice of their Savior, and call upon him and be safe. Amen. Okay, friends, you can pray that prayer again and again and again. Keep praying that for the people you are sharing your faith with. The last part of Paul's journey, believe and call upon Christ. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? These last two steps on the road to faith and salvation are are best described in the verses prior to this. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I love these verses and and the order in which Paul places them. Through hearing God's word, one can believe. And though we know not all have really listened to what they've heard, we are here today because the truth of God, his words of life, caused our hearts to come alive. In in ways that we never knew were possible was as we believe those words of life, we entered into relationship with their author. We entered into agreement with the promises spoken to us. And as Paul writes, we are justified and made right with God by entering into covenant relationship with him. And this is, I believe, just how Abraham was justified by his faith. And in this, there's like a simultaneous and intrinsic part too that we call upon Christ as an outworking of it. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. With the mouth one confesses and is saved. The irresistible nature of grace that enables us to believe is is met by a response of our mouths, of our lives, of every part of our being that says, Jesus is Lord. And through this confession of our mouths, we recognise our sin, we we recognise our need for a saviour, we recognise Jesus And as we call on his name, we confess not only his eternal title, but also the journey by which he attained it through his death on the cross and his resurrection. And as we declare the Lord, our God, our old nature, our our old way of doing things, our old beliefs are crucified with Christ and Christ makes us anew and Christ comes to dwell in us. There's a belief that some of us believe that is that is rooted in our own brokenness that's rooted in everything we've done wrong in the past it's rooted in everything bad we believe about ourselves and people have spoken about ourselves but as you accept Christ as you welcome his lordship he puts a new belief in you he changes your belief so you can see yourself rightly as he sees you and I pray today especially as you hear these words you recognize God is giving you new belief new eyes to see yourself the way he sees you As we declare Jesus is Lord, we recognise everything he is Lord over. He won the victory over death. Hallelujah, that's that's amazing. He won the victory over sin. He won the victory over addiction. He won the victory over brokenness. He has victory over sickness. He has victory over hopelessness. He has victory over depression. As we declare his Lordship bit by bit, our life Our body, our emotion, our behaviours must come subject unto it. It catches up, it hears that. Our response, our confession embraces his sanctification 
And that's just a long word that means he's changing us and making us better because we all really want that. From one degree of glory to the next. When we confess Christ as Lord, it welcomes his leadership. It cultivates the fruit of his spirit in our lives. It acknowledges his call on us and his values and, and it values his gifts within us. And I cannot adequately describe to you the glimpses of joy I found these past couple of months when I recognised Jesus' Lordship, when I recognised his victory over death, and when I recognised the promise of eternal life no longer separated from the ones we love. We believe and we declare Jesus is Lord. So that's Paul's kind of journey of, of faith and this is really what this passage calls for and this is how people can have ears to hear and they can hear the word of Christ. I want to leave us with two challenges today and firstly this one is for us. You know I see a warning in here in this passage for us not to be like Israel. Israel heard and understood the message they understood it in their heads, but, but they were super religious and they did all the stuff they were meant to, but in their pride, they refused to trust in Christ alone for their salvation. They were still trying to do it for themselves. And I know how easy it is in my own life to rely upon my own righteous acts instead of truly knowing and trusting the one I claim that they are unto. You know, it, here it says, there is no Christian discipline. Prayer, reading your Bible, all this stuff, 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 there's no Christian discipline or good deed that can ever substitute for really knowing God. The Pharisees prayed all the time, they read the Bible all the time, but there's no substitute for knowing him. There is no substitute for knowing him. Jesus says, you search the scriptures, but you, you fail to recognise they are all about me. They're all to invite you into a relationship with me. As Peter puts it, Lord, you have the words of life. Where else shall I go? There is no substitute for truly loving God, truly caring about him, truly hearing him, truly wanting to live for him. So let us have ears to listen. Let us have humility to recognise his lordship, cause us to surrender our rights, to, to lay down our dreams and aspirations that will cause us to build our own kingdom instead of his kingdom. This is a question I find myself asking me a lot. God, am I, am I trying to build your kingdom here or am I trying to build my own kingdom? Am I, am I working for my future or am I working for your future? My second challenge. Let us be bold and unashamed in proclaiming the whole gospel. You know, it's really easy to say God loves you without pointing out the brokenness which his love has come to restore. The, the gospel with no concept of sin is pointless. Who needs saving if they don't know they need saving? Does that make sense? Who, who needs uh, grace and redemption if they don't think they've done anything wrong? It doesn't make sense. No one can respond to that gospel. It doesn't work. It makes the cross pointless. Jesus didn't die for no reason. He died because people needed saving. He died because, because people are slaves to sin. He died that we might live. And it is this true presentation of the gospel which causes people's ears to be opened from their slumber. 
Paul says this, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power. The gospel itself brings the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. To the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So those are my two challenges for us this morning. Let's take some time to pray together, to ask God to help us in these challenges. Our Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for your presence with us this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you guide us in all truth. And I just pray every single word of yours would would find good ground in our hearts and, and anything of the flesh would just fall away. Holy Spirit, that we'd really grab a hold of your truth. And I pray for us, the Lord, we would not be like the Israelites. I pray that we would see you, we'd know you, but we would believe you, we'd call upon you, we'd follow you. I pray for humility for us. God, would you give us humility to work for your kingdom and not our own, to really trust wholly in you and not on our own acts of righteousness, to live in communion with you, to recognise there is nothing besides communion with you that, 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 that has real value. Lord, I thank you for prayer. I thank you for your word we can read every day. And I ask that in all these disciplines, God, we would be meeting with you. That it would not be an exercise of our minds, but it be a belief of our hearts. That faith would arise in our hearts by hearing your words. And then God, we pray for a boldness for each and every one of us. And if you want boldness today, I just want you to put your hand on your heart. The word encourage means to, to put something in your heart. And so I want to put you, you to put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, give me courage to share your gospel. Lord, we, Lord, we want to know that we shared your gospel with people. That they would never turn around to us and say, why did you not share Jesus with me? God, we want to be people who do that. So Lord, put courage in our hearts. Give us boldness to share your gospel, your whole gospel with the people we meet. That through it, through hearing the words of Christ, they will come to faith. God, we thank you so much for the privilege of being your children, of being loved by you. And I pray that in the joy of relationship with you, we would share you so freely with everyone we meet. Amen.